Yeah, like we always do with this. Yeah. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember man, 11 years old when I made it to go Hello and welcome back to Film Soliloquy Home of the Involuntary Film Review You're back with the Dancing and Highsmith of Podcasting My name is Jeff And I'm Jason and uh, each week we trade movies. I give Jason a movie. He gives me one. And uh, we review it. And the reviewer has complete control over the letter grade that it receives. Uh, so each week we play a game to determine who gets to review their uh, excuse me gets to review their movie first. Uh, and this week I'm going into the hat here. And all right. Um, I think this is your handwriting. It just says dual. Oh, man, what a good day to pick this. I had just borrowed a gun from EJ. Oh, okay. A gun. Yeah, man. So the dual is, you know, it's kind of like those old, them old school times where they settled it like men. You know, they they stood back to back, walked they, 10 paces. Talk it out. Just have a conversation. Nah, man. Air out their different. No. Sort of wussies. Stand back to back, walk 10 paces, turn around and fire. And the first one dead loses. Okay. Uh, all right. So it looks like it's going to be one review this week. Uh, all right. Give me my gun. I mean. Just give me my gun. I'm on board. You sh- all right. Cool. All right. Hold on. There you go. All right. Thank you. Let me get mine. This mm. one rusted out. Man, this- Where'd you get this one again? That's EJ, man. You know EJ. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, I just thought he'd take better care of his... Okay, all right. All right, you ready? Yes, sir. So, 10 paces, right? 10, not 11 or okay. 9. All right, so... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Turn! Hit! <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the... You shot me! Let me get a. Let me just scoop by you real quick and pick that up. I gotta get it back to EJ. Man, it actually works better if you put bullets in it, Jeff. Um, you watch, you like John Wick. John Wick puts bullets in his guns. Damn, man. Take forever. Breathe. All right, so the movie I'm reviewing is a movie called Collaterals 2004. It stars Jamie Foxx, Tom Cruise, um, Jada Pickett Smith, and Mark Ruffalo. So I'll give you a quick synopsis of how to how the film is. And then I'll go into what I liked and what I didn't like about the movie. So it stars Jamie Foxx, who plays he plays the character Max and he's a Los Angeles cab driver. And he's pretty much trying to earn his living doing his cab driving business to actually start his own business of his limousine company. And what his limousine company, what he wants it to be and to grow to to mature into is is a a limousine ride that you don't want to leave. It's kind of like you're riding from your destination to destination and you're you're basically kind of like a club. It's like what it is now. I mean, we're in 2019. It's kind of the the same premise as a, a party bus. And one of his evening fares is one of the U.S. Justice Department prosecutor, Annie, who is played by Jada Pickett Smith. And this is where you get to start to grow and start to know the character of Jamie Foxx's Max. You can tell that he's a very meticulous cab driver. He, You can tell also that he's drove around the city of Los Angeles. He knows the traffic. He knows the light sequences. And he knows how to get from point A to point B at the most uh, most effectiveness. So 
Annie is very meticulous herself and she knows the way to get from where she is to her her downtown office uh, at the U.S. Justice Department. So she tells Max to go there a very specific route to take a certain road, a certain interstate, get off at a certain exit. And Max is saying, hey, you know, I'm it's the, the time that we're doing this right now. It'd be quicker to go through another route. And she goes, OK. And he goes, all right, if I'm wrong, if we don't get there in a timely manner, the, the cab rides free. She takes that bet and he actually gets to his destination faster than than she expected. So she ends up paying for the fare and. They kind of grow a quick bond on there. And with that bond, he actually, she, he can tell that she is uh, very stressed out and she's really worried about a case that she's going to be presenting because uh, she's the prosecutor, the lead prosecutor. So she's very nervous and Jamie Foxx can tell. And to kind of calm her down, uh, he, he kind of talks to her to, to elaborate on what her practicing or her techniques is, uh, how she practiced the case out. She goes through the opening statement. She looks at the evidence at hand and she goes to bed thinking upon it, upon her about it. And the next day she's fine. And so Max, what he does is when time that he feels nervous, um, he'll start to relax by looking, by going into his happy place. So he looks at a photograph in his taxi cab and he just pretends that he's going on vacation in this remote island. So he ends up giving the picture for picture to her and she leaves the cab. But you can kind of tell there's that, that, uh, I guess that romantic tension between them. So she leaves the cab, but comes back and gives him his number. He seems pretty excited about it. And then, um, so Jada Pickett Smith, uh, her character name is Annie. She leaves and Vincent comes in, who is, uh, Jamie Foxx's next fair is played by Tom Cruise. And he tells, he tells Max where his destination needs to go to. And he's kind of like the same thing. Um, he, he tells him the specific route that he wants to take to get there. And Jamie Foxx says, you know, I, I can I know a better route. And Vincent's like, well, if you're wrong, would you like to you know, place a bet? Maybe the cab rides free. And he goes, no, nah, I already placed I already used that uh, one today. I'll just give you an apology. So Vincent is pretty impressed of his navigational skills driving through the traffic due to his uh, I guess his his meticulousness of driving that taxi. He says, you know what? Um, I have a lot of business here um, in Los Angeles for this one night. I need to make several other stops. How about I give you $600 to just drive me around exclusively? And Max is pretty reluctant, but I mean, Vincent, Tom Cruise flashes the cash in front of him. So he goes and takes it and he said, hey, you know, park. You can't double park right here. So just meet me back in the back alley and between these two apartment complex buildings. So Jamie Foxx goes over there, uh, starts to munch on his sandwich. And uh, I'm going to use this word again uh, for the second episode in a row and for three episodes now in our podcast. Someone gets defenestrated. <laughs> a body flies right out the window and lands on the top of Jamie Foxx's cab. You know, uh, Max gets out of the car. He sees the corpse is falling. And that's when uh, Vincent, who's played by Tom Cruise, reveals himself as a hitman and that uh He's not really a real estate agent looking, trying to close deals. He's here to kill uh, his his five targets that he needs to eliminate. So Max is pretty reluctant. He's like, hey, you know what? Just take the cab. He goes, nah, man, <laughs> you're going to finish this up with me. And he says he, he they pretty much pull, throw the body in the truck and the trunk of the cab and continue to drive uh, one of the next stops uh, that he needs to go to to kill his second target, which this one kind of sucks. I mean, you don't even get to see the kill scene of where he actually kills the second target, but he ends up tying Ben. He ends up tying uh, Max's hands to the steering wheel. Uh, just like, and this is the most, this is a pretty realistic part. I mean, obviously Vincent's in some apartment building trying to kill his second target. Max is trying to get help. So he's honking the horn, yelling. He needs help in a group of young men who looks like gangbangers actually come to try to attempt to help him, but they end up robbing uh, Max, Max, they take his wallet and they see that the briefcase that Vincent has left in the cab itself. And right when the, the gangbangers are leaving are these, uh, you know, these low level, you know, drug guys, they're leaving and Vincent comes down and says, Hey, is that my briefcase? And immediately, uh, shoots them both in the chest and then once in the head. I mean, you could tell that this guy is a really trained professional assassin. All right. So. He ends up killing those two guys, shoot them both, shoot them twice in the chest, uh, once in the head, ended up getting into the, to the cab again. 
And at this time, uh, Max's boss, as you can be hearing over the radio saying, hey, you know, you haven't visited your mom today. She's blowing up my phone. And so they end up going to visit Max's uh, mom in the hospital. Vincent realizes that he doesn't want to break Max's routine. He visits his mom in the hospital nightly. And right then and there, um, he's he's pretty much forcing Max to reveal to his mom that uh, he's been lying about his uh his his limousine business that he really isn't a limousine driver but you know um Vincent gets that revealed that he's been lying to her so this is where Jamie Fox Max he, he ends up losing it he takes his briefcase and starts running he's trying to flee the hospital obviously Vincent catches up with him and they go across this uh freeway a, a bridge on top of the freeway and Max throws the briefcase over into the freeway and a truck hits it and the papers fly everywhere. This is where Vincent just gets uh, extremely upset. That's where all his documentation is at, where he needs to kill the rest of his targets. And so he tells him, hey, you're going to play me and you're going to meet this uh, drug lord by the name of Felix. And he's going to give you the information of his uh, his last two targets. So Max, he poses as Vincent, goes into the nightclub and gets the information from uh from the the drug lord felix so he comes out and they end up getting information from the next target and they end up leaving come to find out his next target is a person by the name of peter lim and they up going to a nightclub unbeknownst to max and unbeknownst to vincent felix felix is uh hires some hitmen to follow along to follow along Vincent and Max to make sure that they complete the job. And if they don't, he's ordered to kill Jamie Foxx. So they go to the nightclub, they see Peter uh, and it, the nightclub is full of people and Vincent go ahead and he just annihilates everyone there with precision shots. He kills uh, FBI uh, people. He kills the bodyguards. He kills the the hitman from from Felix's uh, drug lord, and he ends up killing uh, killing Peter, uh, the target himself. As they're leaving, one of the the cops that actually kind of sees what's going on, he knows that this guy, Jamie Fox, is just a cab driver. He knows that he's not he's he's got to be coerced into doing this uh, to doing this stuff. He ends up finding Jamie Foxx and um, tries to escort him out the club and says, hey, I'm going to protect you. I know you're trying you're pretty much being held uh, held captive and being told to drive someone around. And right when they're leaving the club and you can tell Max is starting to feel relieved. Vincent shoots, shoots him straight in the chest twice and then once in the head. And then you can kind of tell that uh, Max is just he's he's beyond himself. He's he's getting worried. He knows that he knows he's going to be he's going to die at the end of this night. So. He gets upset. They, they start, he starts driving the car and he ends up crashing it on purpose. So that way he can, he can actually injure himself and injure Vincent so he can kind of flee. But that doesn't happen. Uh, Vincent obviously lives. He gets out of the taxi cab and starts to uh, go towards his next target. They, this is where Max actually sees the computer itself. He got, he got all the information from Felix. Uh, that drug lord, he looks at the information on the computer screen and he sees that his last and final target is Jada Pickett Smith, the first person that he picked up in his cab fare, who is the who's going to be prosecuting the case of this drug lord, Felix. And pretty much the whole time with it, what this hitman, what uh, what Tom Cruise is trying to do is eliminate every single um, every single witness uh, that's leading up to this prosecution case. And this is where the film for me just kind of breaks down, man. But I'll, I'll, I'll wrap that up at the end. So he ends up going to the, the U.S. Department of Justice's building. He finds Jada Pickett Smith upstairs, uh, cowering in the library. Uh, he gets off the elevator. Tom Cruise sees her, has a gun right to her face. He doesn't pull the trigger until Jamie Foxx shows up trying to, to warn him. And so they end up scuffling. They, 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 <laughs> He grabs Jada Pickett. They run. They run out the building. They go downstairs. Uh, they they flee into a subway, and um, Vincent follows them. <laughs> they they have a, a shootout right at the end. You know they they catch up with each other. Uh, Jamie Foxx grows some balls. Finally, he pulls a gun, shoots a Vincent square in the chest, and then Vincent just sits down on the on the subway train, 
and says, you know, his, his line, which kind of is a, a alluded to in the beginning where he tells a story of this one person. This is why he doesn't like Los Angeles, where this one person has died on a MTA train and no one notices him for about 18 stops. So the corpse is just sitting there and no one really talks to each other. And he's he's worried that uh, his corpse is just going to be sitting on his train and no one's going to notice it. And uh, what ends up happening is Jamie Foxx, uh, he leaves with Jada Pickett Smith in the movie ends. <laughs> so that's pretty much the whole synopsis right there. What I do like about the movie is I do like how Jamie Foxx plays a very convincing cab driver. Uh, he plays, he plays it very well. Uh, you can tell that he's very meticulous. Uh, his acting is, uh, top notch, I, I believe. Tom Cruise actually does a heck of a job himself. I mean, you can tell that he's, uh, he plays a very convincing assassin. And this is well, this is like well before the, the, ex the expansion of the Mission Impossible movies, which I really like him in those films. And Jeff can attest to that too, if he, if he were conscious right now. Um, but I'll wake him up soon. I got some, uh, some medicine, <laughs> but, uh, medicine for bullets. Medicine for bullets. Yeah. You got it, man. <laughs> you know, you got, man, you got nine lives. You're all right. <laughs> so there's, there's some stuff I really don't like about the film. And one of the biggest thing that jumps out is that last sequence. All right. So you have this well established assassin, assassin where he can, he can, he has fight moves um he knows karate he knows defensive moves he's very precise with his weaponry and his placement of his where his shot placements are and even the detectives when they're actually in the film looking at some corpses they show that the bullet wounds in the chest are millimeters apart and in a one precision shot square in the middle of the forehead they're like this is a very skilled marksman and yet at the very end of the movie when he has jada pickett smith upstairs in this library and he doesn't fire. I mean, every other shot sequence, he's there's no hesitation, yet he hesitates on this one. Makes no sense. Uh, at the very end, when they're actually fire, uh, sh fighting in the subway, there's many times where, again, um, I mean, it's just a subway train. There's not many carts in between them, yet he couldn't fire any shots, you know, in between the 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 subway carts uh, to shoot through glass to shoot Jamie Foxx in the back to, to kill Jada Pickett Smith character Annie. You know, when train stations go through, I guess, different parts of the of the tunnel, uh, the electricity flickers, so the lights go off. And this is where they have their big shootout. And yet um, Tom Cruise misses every shot and Jamie Foxx lands, lands a shot right on his chest. And then he still has the opportunity to kill both of them. I mean, it's not like it's not like it's a, an immediately fatal wound. He even has the, the opportunity to drop the gun, sit down in the chair talk it out a little bit <laughs> telling him a story that he's worried that no one's gonna notice his corpse on this train and uh, that that's a big glaring red flag and that's towards the end of the film another big red flag is during this whole time that jamie fox is driving tom cruise around there's plenty of opportunity if i was in that situation or if any smart person was in that situation dude you're in downtown los angeles there's plenty of cars driving right there's plenty of people walking down the street Tom Cruise is sitting in the back of the sitting in the back of the taxi. Jamie Foxx is not wearing a seatbelt. At any time, he can slow the, the the taxi down to about twenty miles an hour and jump out of the damn taxi. <laughs> it's not like Tom Cruise is going to expose himself as an assassin in the middle of the downtown Los Angeles and start popping shots off to kill him while he's on the while he's still in the taxi cab. This, it's just not going to happen, man. And then the very uh, the chase scene leading up to how he finds them in the subway. Jamie Foxx and Jada Pickett Smith take an elevator from the 16th floor all the way down to the first floor, right? Tom Cruise takes the stairs. Obviously, an elevator can go, can go down from the 16th floor to the first floor a hell of a lot faster than, than somebody running down the stairs. And then yet when he actually gets down to the stairs, um, you know, Jada Pickett Smith's like, Hey, the streets over here, let's run down the street. He goes, nah, man, we're going to take the subway. So he takes an, a, an abrupt right instead of taking a left goes down some of these, uh, these flights of stairs that go down to the subway station. There is two different tracks to the subway station and he ends up going to the lower half. And then, so, you know, a few 
minutes later, you know, logistically, it would be a few minutes later. Obviously, in movie terms, it was just a few seconds. Uh, Tom Cruise has a confused look. You know, did they go left to the street or did they go right down to the subway? Yep. He takes a right, goes down to the subway. Hmm. Let me think about this. Did he actually take the L train down south or did he take the M train up north? You know what? He did take the M train up north. Let me go ahead and get on this train. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> there's there's no way. <laughs> He's a skilled assassin. Dude, there's, I don't care how skilled you are, man. You could be John Wick. John Wick would have to still take some type of GPS tracker <laughs> to find out where these dudes are going. I don't know. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, overall, man, you know, I, I like the... The, the beginning of the film and towards the middle, I was like, yeah, it, it kept, it kept me captivated. But at the end, it just, it just fell apart at the seams. It just became, uh, the character build up and the, and how Tom Cruise was led up as being assassin and then his poor execution at the end just failed me. Um, it, it, it ruined the movie for me. So, uh, before I get into my final letter grade, do you have anything uh, that you wanted to add, Jeff, now that you're conscious? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I just put some dirt in there. Learned that from watching Lone Survivor. <laughs> um, I hadn't seen the movie in a while and I rewatched it and then I immediately apologized to you. Um, because it wasn't as good as I remember it being, but that's the only thing I have to add. <laughs> I like, I have no real, I don't know why I gave this. I think I gave you this movie because it was readily available and I have no attachment to this film. You could give it any letter grade and I'd be like, ah, whatever. And except for like an a plus that would just, that wouldn't make sense. Um, but I'm prepared for whatever you, you want to give it. All right. Well, before I give a letter grade, uh, if you do want to watch this movie, us on HBO right now, you can go to HBOgo.com or you can just watch it on on demand or something. But I think it is worth one viewing. Um, just again, when you do see those blaring red flags, uh, it, it'll definitely be noticeable and it probably will take the tension down in the film. But this is a C film. And that's fair. I really don't have anything to add because I, 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 I'm sorry I gave you that movie because... <laughs> I just, I guess what, I, I guess I got tired of like trying to get you logins and, oh, you're going to have to rent it or pay for it. So, but, um, yeah, that's good. Fine. Yeah. A C is perfect. That's where I'd probably put it to, if not a C minus, but it's fine. Yep. All right, man. Go ahead and All right. start your movie review. Yeah. Okay. So you had me review. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Now, when I knew what this movie was going to be, because you started mentioning the actor that plays uh, Harold, I was like, oh, Lord, because I never had a desire to watch this movie. I'm a, comedy is my favorite genre movie, and this has never appealed to me. Another series that I've told you doesn't appeal to me is the Hangover series. I'm just going to kind of let the cat out of the bag. I didn't enjoy it, and I didn't enjoy it for the same reasons <laughs> that I did not enjoy The Hangover. And I'll get into that, but I have a quote here from one Jason from episode one of Film Soliloquy that says, there's a lot of funny movies that aren't great. Uh, this movie was neither. <laughs> and then there's another quote from the same review that says, I would most likely enjoy this movie if I were, or I would most likely enjoy this movie a lot more if I was severely baked. <laughs> so that's pretty much why that's, this is this movie for sure. <laughs> that is this movie. And you gave the movie, you remember what movie you reviewed saying this? Yeah. That movie with Swiss Paul Army. Dano. And you gave it a D plus. <laughs> well, what goes around comes around, but let's get into the movie. <laughs> so that's a premise right there, I guess. The plot of the movie is two stoners want to go to White Castle because they have the munchies, and it's the <laughs> only thing that will satisfy them. That's the setup to the movie. I love this movie. <laughs> 
So let me give you some detail about the movie. It's Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. It came out in 2004. It stars John Cho as Harold and Cal Penn as Kumar. And they are your main characters. So Harold is at work and his two, I don't even think they're bosses, but like two co-workers who I guess are superiors because uh, these two co-workers want to go off on a bender for the weekend or go to some guy's house to party and get stoned and watch Harold and Kumar. <laughs> and they so well, I've got all this work to do. Well, he says, well, just give it to like one of these peons that works here. So he forces he guilt trips or forces or somehow convinces Harold to do all this work over the weekend. So Harold's pretty bummed about that, but he's a pushover. So he says, OK, he goes home. And as he's getting into his house or into his apartment complex, he's checking his mailbox and he sees this girl that he likes that lives in the same complex. He's about to get in the elevator and he's like, all right, you can do this. You can talk to her. Just be yourself. Just be yourself. Now, I'm going to poo on this movie a whole lot, but <laughs> John Cho is very good. He's very likable. You kind of want to root for him. He's just a very charismatic actor. So this scene, and at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, okay, well, let's see where this is going. Because there's just little funny things here and there. And it play. you see him, he gets on there and he asks the girl out and it goes really well. But of course, it's a daydream. He gets on the elevator. He bumbles over his words. He makes himself feel like an idiot. And it just stresses him out more, even when he's already had this bad day. So he gets home and Kumar is in Harold's room. <laughs> completely naked trimming his pubic hair with the same clippers that Kumar uses to trim his nose hair and Kumar's like oh really well I've also been trimming my butt hair with these as well <laughs> I love this damn movie man oh. alright so they get on the couch and up until this point I'm okay I'm still on board you know Anyway, so Harold and Kumar are watching TV and they're smoking weed and they get really high and they're getting the munchies and they, where do you want to eat? I don't know. I don't know. A commercial for White Castle comes on and they're like, that's it. We want White Castle. Now, we don't have a White Castle where we live. I've never eaten at one. But what we do have is a restaurant called Crystal's. Mm -hmm. It's garbage. Now, I actually don't know the answer to this, but do you like Crystals, Jason? Hell no, man. Crystals is disgusting. Now, if White Castle, which looks to be just the same as as Crystal, I even high as a kite, I can't imagine wanting to go to Crystal. Now, in, in yeah. the defense of White Castle. And by the time when they hold on now, by the time they get to Crystal, they aren't high anymore. All right. They're just eating it sober. Not Crystal, but White Castle, whatever. Like, I guess I have to give it the benefit of the doubt because I've never eaten White Castle, but I'm fairly certain it's the same food. All right. In the defense of White Castle, from what I hear, I've never had it either. But every person I know who's been to White Castle says it's amazing and it's far better than Crystal's. And it might be. So I can't really judge it that much but it was one of those things where i see them eating those tiny hamburgers i'm like oh disgusting because my only point of reference is crystal and it's horrible all right so that's what they decide to do but the closest white castle is like 30 minutes away or 45 minutes away and so they start driving down there and when they get now i'm going to probably skip some scenes because there's a lot of forgettable gags in this movie but anyway, Kumar brings his laptop and he's working, trying to get his overtime work done. They pull up to where the crystal should be. And there's another restaurant there. Anthony Anderson is running the drive through <laughs> and they're like, hey, wasn't there a crystals here or a, a White Castle here? Oh, yeah, used to be, but not anymore. Now we got these hamburgers. He's like, but nothing's as good as White Castle. So Kumar's like, maybe we'll just eat here. Or not Kumar, excuse me. Harold says, maybe we'll just see right here. And Kumar's like, no, we're getting White Castle. There's another one. So Anthony Anderson says, oh, there's another one about, you know, another 45 minutes away or so. So they go driving that way. And there were some gags there that I'm sure he talked about putting hamburgers in his pants or something no, like man. that. 
He says, you want to, he goes, All right, go ahead. me and Pookie, you might want to stay away from the special sauce because me and Pookie put a little extra ingredient. Let me give you a hint. Oh, that's right. It's semen. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Animal semen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, ah! <laughs> yeah. Man, well, this is on. Jeff written all over it. I don't care what you say. No, it is not. <laughs> it, this is not. I'm telling you. Like, that, like, so when you presented me with Sin of a Woman, like, I don't want to watch this movie. It's not for me. And I watched it, and it was different. The plot was different than I expected. I ended up enjoying it because it defied my expectations. This hit my expectations on the nose. This was exactly <laughs> what I thought it was going so to be. So you went in with low expectations. Is that what there you got? <laughs> no, no cleverness in the humor. It's all gross out humor. And I'm not a prude. I don't mind gross out humor, but it can't be the whole movie. If Dumb and Dumber were nothing but Harry sitting on the toilet with diarrhea, I wouldn't like it. That movie has clever lines and witty dialogue and, and fun characters. And these characters aren't fun. They just like getting stoned. Kumar is an asshole. I don't like Kumar. <laughs> That's what... He's a dick to his friend the whole time. And the only guy I do like is Harold, but he doesn't stand up for himself. We'll get to that. He does at the end. He learns a lesson somehow, but it's done in such a terrible way. And okay, so they're driving... They end up getting ran off the road by these two neighbors they have who are looking to go eat some hot dogs somewhere. They're effing extreme, and, man. Uh, yeah. And I recognize them. One of the guys is from American Pie and the other guy I've seen in several teen movies, but I can't. He's one of those faces where I know I've seen him a hundred times, but I couldn't tell you where. So they, again, they part ways. Harold and Kumar are determined to make it to White Castle. And... And I'm probably going to get some stuff out of order because this really, the whole movie was just a blur of absurdity. So in into the car gets Neil Patrick Harris. Now, <laughs> I think I think part of the reason this didn't work for me is because it hasn't aged well and hasn't aged well is because at the time, Neil Patrick Harris was only known as Doogie Howser. And since then, He's done show, uh, you know, How I Met Your Mother. He's done uh, Dr. Horrible Sing Along Blog or whatever it's called. He's done Series of Unfortunate Events. So when I see Neil Patrick Harris, I don't see the guy who played Doogie Howser. I just see Neil Patrick Harris because to me, he's kind of broken out of that role. But I guess the funny gag is the thing the writer sat in a room would be, wouldn't it be great if we get Doogie Howser and he's some coked out guy that hires prostitutes and you know all this stuff and so that's the gag well, not really. doogie hauser is a perv well, no, no it's, it's the premise and, is it's not the character doogie hauser because doogie hauser is like what some young doctor or some kid doctor or something it's neil patrick harris who's pretty much like looked as as like a sex symbol for women yet he's gay that he's actually hiring these prostitutes so that's that's the gag of it uh, well, I didn't pick that up because there's no context around it. It's just, I guess you're supposed to know this about Neil Patrick Harris. But exactly. the only thing they say in the movie about Neil Patrick Harris is what? That he's Doogie Howser. Of course, yeah. He's no fact. So I disagree with you on that because <laughs> I think the whole gag is that he was Doogie Howser, the kid doctor, and now he's old pervy guy. <laughs> now, they did a, a, a similar gag. Um in this is the end right mm -hmm. where the the likable unassuming michael Sarah is uh, a freak a, you know he's grabbing on girls he's doing drugs and it's the same gag it's just a different person is because i know michael Sarah wouldn't really do that because he's just so calm and unassuming mm -hmm. and it's kind of like how bob saget when he got out of doing his show <laughs> that he he got really colorful and blue i get it all right it just doesn't it didn't land for me it wouldn't have landed anyway but it definitely didn't because since that time he's broken out of that mold of just being doogie hauser all right uh what else happens um i honestly don't remember they <laughs> uh so there's these like bullies who've been bullying them the whole time they end up stealing the bully's car and 
running away from them and they are about to get pulled over by like a park ranger or something because they're speeding and so they get to a cliff where they have to park the car because they can't drive over the cliff and there's cops behind them but on top of this truck is a hand glider and but so they look down this cliff and they look down the hill and they see white castle oh we almost made it to white castle they decide that so Harold's ready to give up, but Kumar convinces him, hey, there's this hand glider here. Let's use this. So let's go back to your Untouchables review where you mentioned. Also, there's a point where they ride a cheetah, <laughs> which I skipped on. And the reason that that scene is I'm being reminded of it now is because the green screen in this movie yeah. <laughs> is some of the worst you will see in any movie at any time. I, and I didn't this come out after Jurassic Park? Oh, yeah. Well after <laughs> Jurassic Park. All right, let's go back to your argument. It came out way after Jurassic Park. They have no excuse to have this kind of special effects work in this movie. It's awful. You're pulling out all it's the stops so on me today, huh? They have... Well, hey, and so the difference... All right, I'm not going to go there. But I'm not lying, am I? I can't, I can't uh, argue with that statement. It's horrible so one of the reasons I, I i i'm throwing so much of this stuff at you because it's things that you've thrown at other movies and you know i listen so they get on this hand glider it's horrible special effects as they glide down and i don't remember did they crash or something and and they finally make it into white castle and they order an insane amount of food, like 30 hamburgers, 10 fries, four beverages per person. And it comes out to like a hundred bucks and neither of them have any money that somehow I think they got robbed or I don't remember. And Doogie Hauser's there. Neil Patrick Harris shows up because he, Neil Patrick Harris, when they last saw each other had taken off with their, uh, Harold's uh, car. And, uh, he said, it's the least I can do for you is buy you this meal. Uh, your car's outside. It's got some stains in the back. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I imagine it's the same thing that they put in the food that Anthony Anderson puts in the food. Minus so, the animal part. Right. It's his own. And Man, did you kill it? I so love this movie. I'm, like, I'm visually seeing it as you're, you're speaking about it. And, I'm and in the same way, when you were reiterating all the things about Swiss Army Man and I'm laughing... Just because it's a funny movie doesn't make it good. <laughs> Touche. All right. Touche. So they in walks as they're eating their food, the the two guys that work at the office with Harold, and and somehow now Harold is totally willing to stand up for himself, though he hasn't done it to Kumar once. You know, and he, he gets in their face. I'm not doing your work anymore. And if you try to make me, I'm going to the boss. What he should have done in the first scene and none of this garbage would have happened. Although the White Castle trip probably would have happened anyway. Anyway, they go back. Now, uh, Harold is comfortable talking to the girl in the building. They set up a date and uh, but she's going to Amsterdam and won't be back for several weeks. So Coomer's like, well, looks like we're going to Amsterdam and in credits, we got a sequel coming and woohoo. Yay. All right. <sighs> Please don't make me watch the hangover movies. Don't make me watch Harold and Kumar go to Guantanamo Bay. It's not my kind of movie. It, so what these movies are, there's no wittiness to anything they do. It's just absurd scenario after absurd scenario. That's what The Hangover is. It's not funny. It's not written well. You're going to get some They're haters on like, this episode, for sure. That's fine. At Jay Queasy on Twitter. <laughs> and, like, so my favorite kind of comedy is really just witty dialogue or misunderstandings and like you can look at dumb and dumber where you know hey look at the buns on that yeah he must work out like there's some lateral thinking that goes into that line and it takes a little bit of effort 
nothing in this movie takes effort just to be like, what if he's trimming his balls with his clippers? What if, what if Neil Patrick Harris has some ladies in the car and they drive by and they're all hanging out the sunroof and no one's driving the car and he's grabbing <laughs> on the women. It like, that's what makes the movie. There's so good. no, there's no good dialogue in this movie. No funny one liners like in Naked what? Gun. Dude, where I got to interrupt you, man. There's one-liners all, right. all over this movie. Like, he's like, man, we're high. We're not low. That's one of them. I mean, you got Ryan Reynolds. That's what a line. <laughs> that is awesome. What a pun. What a pun. We're high. We're not low. Because they're looking at this suit. Do you hear what you're saying? They're looking at this commercial where they're saying, don't do drugs. It'll get you to kill yourself. And they're laughing at it because this dude, this this kid shoots himself in the head with a shotgun. And they're like, we're so high right now because they think it's funny. You know? <laughs> this movie is, is full of one-liners, man. It, that is not you got a good Jamie one-liner. Kennedy in the, the middle of the I in the middle of the to... forest taking a piss on a bush. Is this a special bush? <laughs> yeah, I want you to keep saying these one-liners because you're almost arguing in my favor, especially with the word "we're high, we're not low." <laughs> man, how the hell is that funny? Man, you didn't like the show. You I... didn't like Freak Show where they're getting the tire fixed because uh, Kumar threw their spare tire off the bridge, and so they have to go to Freak Show's house. And they're, they're, they're setting up that foursome. <laughs> yeah, like that part. No. No. Come on, me. You can wash. There you was... can wash up. <laughs> Have sex with my wife. Me casa es su casa. No? Yeah. No. Killing me, man. Maybe. So there's something about comedies where you have to be warmed up. Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes you, like, if you, that's why stand-ups have openers. Right? to warm up the crowd and get the laughing juices flowing. And so maybe those scenes, these little scenes you're talking about would be funny in the context of a movie that's clever and has me laughing, but that doesn't happen at any point. There, there isn't one thing I can point to say that was funny. That was witty. I'd never thought of that before. And it just, it caught me by surprise. It was just exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was insane scenario after insane scenario. No clever dialogue. No anything that felt like it took effort to me. It it was just frat boy humor. Uh, I and guess I, you didn't like the diarrhea twins either, huh? No, <laughs> because that's been done before, too. That's been done so many times. I, I wrote a list of... All right. So what this movie is, the genre movie is a road trip comedy. Mm-hmm. I wrote down several movies with a very similar plot that you can go and watch that are way better. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which I know you haven't seen and it's on the list, but you have seen Dumb and Dumber, and we both know that that's better than this. Mm-hmm. You've seen Tommy Boy, mm-hmm. which I, I, I've never asked, but I'm pretty sure is better than oh, this. Tommy Boy is great, man. Right. So... These are three road trip movies with really great dialogue and, you know, just cleverness. And there is some gross out stuff here and there, but it's peppered in. It's here's a little bit of gross out humor. Here's a little bit, but it's not the whole movie. And it's not stoner comedy, which immediately turns me off anyway. I don't. Like, if you have to be high to watch a movie to make it funny, it's not a funny movie. <sighs> All right. <laughs> so, this was a big... So you went from an A-plus with Django to this. Like... Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. This is a D. A D? A D flat. Okay, okay, okay. It's a D. It's a D. It, you, That's official. It's a D. That's official. Unless, all right, talk me out of it somehow. Because so far, the best thing you've come up with is I'm I'm so high. Oh, we're not low. <laughs> uh, Which is just a listen a classic piece of writing. I was defending it by making those comments, but I already knew going in you're gonna poo poo hour this movie, man. I had a since you giving your letter grade, I'll go and reveal. You know, I gave you this movie on purpose, knowing the expectations are going to be low, so that way the next movie I give you. Cause I kind of figured if you, you were, you wanted a comedy so bad, right? 
You're like, Jason, when are you going to give me a comedy? Do we're on episode seven. When are you going to give me a comedy? I'm like, dude, you're going to get a comedy when you give it to you. But I wanted to fulfill that comedy. So I gave you this comedy knowing you hate it. So that way you can set up the next one and you'll end up, I think, liking that one more. Cause now I've, I've killed well, this perspective. So you've, you've, so the week before you gave me an A plus movie, I had to watch an F movie. <laughs> so maybe this is some genius plan. Yes. But go ahead. All right. So you give it a D. So let's, let's get into it. We're, we're at the D. Mm-hmm. What you give me this movie. All right. You go first. Yeah, man. So you are right. Okay. I gave you this movie on purpose because I actually wanted to give you this movie before, but then we pushed it out. So I'm pretty sure you already know what it is. It stars Eddie Murphy and Robert De Niro. It came out in 2002. Now, again, I wanted to give this movie back to you on our week, uh, week four, uh, podcast. But I just had this inkling, man, because I really do like this film. Uh, I watched it a long time ago and it ended up coming up, uh, came on again on uh, one of the premium channels. Hell, it might even been Showtime, <laughs> pun intended. And uh, I, I watched it again. I'm like, damn, this this movie aged very well, in my opinion. I, I still like it. So the movie is called Showtime. And again, I was worried about giving it to you before because I was afraid that, uh, you know, your expectations are so high to get a to get a, a comedy and every other movie I've given you has been in the, in the high A's and high B range. So I was kind of scared if I gave you this movie early without something to be shitty in front of it, um, then you might not like it. So it's, it's perfect. It's the perfect setup. Uh, you're watching Showtime. Okay. Which is what I asked for last week. And I, I'm, I, because it's got Eddie Murphy and Robert De Niro in it, there's no way it's worse than Harold and Kumar. And, and it was one of those things I did go in thinking, maybe this is going to be clever and, and great, but it was exactly what I thought, which I said. So it was a hit or miss. Like I either thought you really would get it and like it and, you know, just laugh the entire time or it went completely opposite, which is definitely a realm of possibility. Like I wasn't (laughs) bored because it was just such insane stuff, but we're getting back into me reviewing it. But, um, all right. So on episode one. Or episode two, you gave me your next. And I enjoyed that movie so much. I said, ah, there's this movie I'm going to give you on week three. But this movie I enjoyed so much, I can't do it to you. Well, you broke the streak. Regardless of your plans, you knew that it wasn't going to happen. But the streak broke. And I have to get this movie reviewed on Film Soliloquy. Do you remember what I said about this movie on episode one? I said, there's a movie on episode three. I'm going to make you watch. And we never got to it. Yeah. That I would absolutely hate it. I said, well, now that I know how you feel about Swiss army, man, this movie that I'm going to suggest is every bit as bizarre. Nowhere is near as fun. And I think you're going to really hate it. But I also think that it's going to be really fun to hear you review it. And I don't think you're going to be bored. So you don't have to worry about that. I'm not giving you City of Lost Children. There's nothing boring about this movie. But it is insane. So is this the truce breaking? No. I don't mean to break a truce. This is a movie I've been wanting to show you. And as the way you gave me a movie. Like I'm not giving you something that I think is just awful. Like I'm not giving you things killing or birth. It's a movie that I've watched twice now. Okay, because, you know, I love Harold and Kumar. You right. Know what I mean? And and I do like the movie. And like I said, I watched it twice, but it's 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 so bizarre, and you're going to hate the ending. But I don't want to say too much, because oh, you're going to hate the ending. So this is like garbage, Memento, and Gattaca all over again, top piled into one? Those are good comparisons, but they are much... But just imagine them being Swiss Army Man, so... Jesus Christ. Yeah, so the movie stars... Colin Farrell, Rachel Wise, okay. Um, what's the other? Uh, John C. Riley. Okay. It is available on Netflix, so I would encourage everyone to watch. The Metacritic score is eighty-two right now out of a hundred, so it's not. I'm. I'm not. I'm seriously not trying to give you trash, but I just know you. <laughs> uh, the City of Lost Children was like eighty-six. That's fair. The movie you're going to watch is called The Lobster. What the hell? 
It's on Netflix. I cannot wait for your review. I'm so excited. The Lobster. The Lobster. Please, if you're listening, please pull this movie up on Netflix and give it a watch before Jason reviews it. It's going to make it so much more enjoyable if you've seen what he's going to see. Don't please don't look up the synopsis, Jason. Go in cold. <laughs> please go in cold. Well, let me close this Internet Explorer window. Man, is there any more bullets left? <laughs> Listen, I cannot wait. I'm so excited that it's here. I'm glad you gave me Harold and Kumar now, because if it were great, <laughs> I would have held off again. I would have kept my promise. But. <laughs> I got to have the review and I, and I, and you know what, if I get Medea in return, boo, Medea Halloween goes to Christmas, it's probably going to be worth it. Bro, you just announced the sequel. Boo, Medea goes to Halloween Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So tune in next week. We've got, I think it's going to be an exciting show. I I'm literally smiling ear to ear. I'm so excited. I'm going to rewatch the movie too. This will be my third viewing. It's insane. Do you got anything else you want to add? Hell no. How many times have you gone off the show upset? I think the only time you've been like, oh, this is going to be good is when I gave you Untouchables. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, we wanted to let you know that the music you heard at the beginning and end of every episode is brought to you by Sir Flame. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Set It On Flame. You can find us on Twitter at Film Soliloquy. I guess that's it. I'm going to have Tessa and Elliot talk about you. In what way? I don't know. I'm going to figure something out. All right. Yeah. Well, join us Let next week as Jason brings you the best review you've ever heard yeah. here on Film Soliloquy. Yeah, like we always do it this time I'd go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to buy You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Fayetteville, I related to cold Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold But when winter come around, we would play in the snow They had enough North Swag, so I made it to flow